the actual process of scraping is this is the secret. It's very simple. Every website, you know, your data is being scraped thousands of times by all the main websites. That's how Google organizes their search information. They know everything on your website because they've scraped it. And so it's all, and, and not just Google, all the other big tech firms and small tech people. It's pretty, it's happening all the time by the other players. This is Digital Marketing. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you updated on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you've focused on to the cutting edge tactics and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Carlos and Tobias Noyes, the co-founders of Teal Nexus, who uh, actually I'll let you guys describe what you do, because a lot of people, when I say AI, they just go into whatever they feel like. <laughs> so we're talking AI today personalization, tips and tricks, and the whole concept of scraping and whether it's super unethical or it's something that we have all done all the time for all of our research and it's totally okay. So welcome guys. Thank you so much. It's good to be here, Mark. Thanks so much. All right. So actually just to start, why don't we just talk about your company, kind of how you got into AI in the first place and uh, kind of your approach that makes it special uh, compared to what's currently in the market. Sure. Yeah. So I can jump in and then Carlos, you can follow up with anything I'm missing. Um, so I have a background in digital marketing. I started a digital marketing company in college and that's kind of been my lifeblood for the past five years. I saw the writing on the wall that AI was going to completely disrupt the industry and frankly put a lot of us out of business, people that are relying on web development or SEO ads. And so before getting put out of business, I thought it would be better to be the people putting others out of business. I mean, as, as crazy as that sounds, it's just, it's just the reality. Everyone wants to be uh, on that side of the equation. Um, and so the Teal Nexus product is we offer personalized sales at scale. That's sort of our tagline. And in essence, what we do is we scrape both website data or social media data on prospects. And then we use artificial intelligence and different um, refined prompts in order to create customized subject lines and customized emails specifically to create more resonance within our target demographic. And in general, we're seeing that these are about twice as effective as a standard cold email campaign, including the personalization. That's incredible. Yeah, twice <laughs> twice as effective is, is fantastic. So, so be prior to doing the AI side where you basically automated the process, was this something that you manually did with a previous firm? Yeah, exactly. And so that was sort of the idea. Um, was well, Carlos. Let me let me push over to you real quick, and maybe you can share why you want to get an AI in your background, uh, and then we can talk about the intersection with TLNX and then my old marketing company. Yeah, so I have a very different background. I come from the technical side. I was an engineer and then an engineering research consultant for four years. Early this year, I started using ChatGPT in my consulting, just playing around with it. It was it was new. Um, I realized that very quickly. ChatGPT was able to match my abilities and surpass them as consultants. It was still before most people had caught on. So I was getting all these ridiculous compliments and like, Carlos, your, your consulting is so accurate and, and valuable. So around that time, I realized the same thing that ChatGPT is disruptive. I'm not sure yet how, but I want to be part of it. 
So that's when I quit my job, started learning everything I could about AI from a technical side. Uh, I know a lot about more than I need to know now about neural networks and machine learning, as well as how to best prompt and use ChatGPT and other large language models. Uh, it wasn't until a little bit later that Tobias and I started partnering. He had the marketing digital side, digital marketing side, I had the technical side, and we were trying to figure out, you know, A plus B equals, that's when we came up with the personalized sales at scale. It's a very obvious use case of AI plus traditional marketing. As long as there are people selling things, there will be marketing of some sort. So we thought that industry at least might change, but it wasn't going to leave. Who knows which industries will. Marketing will always be around. So it was a safe bet to see if we could try to find a problem and solve it. I love that. Well, it sounds like, yeah, both of your guys' uh, past experience led perfectly into this situation, which is pretty unique. So uh, congrats on that. I think, you know, a lot of people, when they when they think of AI, they always think of like, you know, replacing people like you were saying. But really, if you switch that around to just like you're empowering the good people, you know, or the good marketers or the good uh, whatever industry you want to uh, you know target, then it starts to be pretty obvious because a lot of stuff, you know, like we were talking about one of your examples, which was uh, being able to send a customized message in order to recruit, recruit, uh, you know, prospects onto a podcast like that, you know, that approach, you could do it manually. And yes, you could review every person that could be on the podcast and see if they qualify and then customize an email and do all this stuff. That process would probably take me because I do that uh, 30 minutes to an hour to go through the whole thing versus what you guys did, which was, uh, how many emails did you send? Let's just talk about that that case study. Yeah, so that was about a thousand. So a thousand hours. <laughs> exactly, well, that's a great point. And here's the beautiful thing is that like, you could pay someone, you could pay a junior biz dev person to do that, make good money, you know, et cetera. But what about if you want them 10,000 or 100,000? So the beauty is the personalization at scale and so we're talking about saving a thousand hours. That's great. That's awesome, actually. But imagine saving a hundred thousand hours. That's why it gets really interesting. Oh yeah, you're talking about entire departments worth of people working on something. But you know, and that that's kind of taking it to the extreme because really, I think that this task just wouldn't be done. Like you would say, I really want to do that. It's too much work, so I'm going to fall back to methods that you know are faster, or easier, whatever it is. And now, now your prospects don't get that personalized attention because you just don't have the time to give it and they're missing out because they could have been on the podcast, which may have been very helpful for them, but they don't know about it because you know the process of finding them, contacting them, recruiting them, all that kind of stuff would take a person way too long. And so it just doesn't happen. So I, I really see it as like, here's AI is enabling you to do stuff that you just don't have time to do. You just wouldn't do. And so it's, a, it's really just a value add versus a takeaway or transfer even, which is fantastic. Now, now, could you walk me through the process of scraping? Because I think a lot of people consider it kind of a dirty word, like, oh, I was stealing information or something. Uh, but but what is scraping and uh, how does AI kind of use it to create these custom messages that you're talking about? I, I could probably take that one. So the actual you know process of scraping is, you know, this is, this is the secret. It's very simple. Every website, you know, your data is being scraped thousands of times by all the main websites. That's how Google 
organizes their search information. They know everything on your website because they've scraped it and not just Google, all the other big tech firms and small tech people. It's happening all the time by the other players. The other thing is it's really simple too. A first semester coder that knows has downloaded Python and has successfully finished Hello World could probably figure out how to scrape website, at least now with ChatGPT as their mentor, their coding assistant, they could figure out how to do it on their own. It's So it's pretty simple to do. Most people, a lot of people are doing it. So whether or not it's ethical, and I, I think that question has already been de facto answered. If you're not doing it, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage in a sense. Oh, I, I love that you said SEO because that's literally, it goes beyond just like looking at it. It evaluates it in a thousand different ways. Like that's what Google does with websites and it's happening all the time, just nonstop. And so I, I think that's that's a great way to say like, this has been going on since the dawn of the internet and it's literally how everything is structured and there's no other way to do it. It has to be scraped, analyzed, assessed, and then, you know, ranked if you're a search engine. But um, yeah, it's it's part of the process. So so when you guys are doing this, could you walk me through kind of how it works? So somebody says, okay, I need new, uh, you know, podcasting guests. So do they just basically give you a need and then you create the system or how's it work? Yeah. So it's, you know, obviously just kind of an onboarding meeting to better understand what is the objective of the campaign. And then we understand their ICP, what are the various filtering, the criteria. We have different prospecting, Apollo, LinkedIn, Sales Navigator, Play, et cetera. So an array of different um, filtering capabilities. Then we pull those names and the lists, and then we fit it, feed it through the, the system to scrape the data, and then use the artificial intelligence to create the prospect or the, the hooks and subject points. Well, sounds easy. <laughs> it was pretty straightforward, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> It's it's beautiful. It, it works. Hey everyone, I want to quickly interrupt the podcast for a special announcement. If you're listening to this podcast because you want to become a better marketer, then I want to share with you what I believe to be the most comprehensive digital marketing program on the market today. It's called the Digital Marketing Mastery Certification. You'll learn to leverage the tools and channels to predictably and profitably drive awareness, leads, sales, and referrals everything you need to know to become a true master of digital marketing. We'll take an in-depth look at the core digital marketing competencies, including content, email, social media, community, digital advertising, data and optimization, and more. After earning your digital marketing strategy certificate, you'll have the tools to effectively reach your target audience through a full scope marketing strategy. Get started today at digitalmarketing.com slash strategy cert. That's fantastic. So, so basically all you need is an email and a website, essentially. Yeah. Uh, an email and a website, we can get a personalized talk. Now, of course, from a website, anyone could do one personalized talk. You know, I'll walk you through the process right now for how you can personalize an, an email. Go to their website, select all, copy it, go to ChatGPT, and then you can paste it into ChatGPT. You can play around with your different prompts. You can try to customize your own personal prompt to, to generate a personalized subject line, a personalized hook, and then you'll have it. A lot of what we've done that distinguishes ourselves um, beyond that is two things. One, if you want to do it times a thousand, it's going to be it's going to be more work going back to ChatGPT a thousand times, doing the same process over and over again than the time it saves. Maybe. 
Um, so we we streamlined um, the at scale side. So that takes yeah. That there's more to it than that. But then the second thing is, if you've played around with ChatGPT, you can see this is cool, but how useful is it? And from my experience, the use you get out of ChatGPT is how much time and energy you've put into learning, learning it, the ins and outs, as if it was a machine and you have to figure out how to best use that machine. So you can play around with different prompts, the length of your prompt, the wordings of your prompt, stringing multiple prompts together. So the output of one is the input of the next. And the whole prompt engineering going from a large data dump of text to something that you would be able to sign off on site unseen. That's a, that's a pretty big step. And it takes some back and forth prompt engineering optimization to get it right. Well, I'll just say this, it's an interesting comment about the serendipitous nature of Pearl's type becoming a partner. I said, it's super straightforward. You just do this. Carlos is the guy that does all the AI. So obviously, you know, I think it's, oh, it's, it just, you know, it just goes in an email and it just goes back to the fact that there is often a disconnect actually, because there are certain people that are kind of on the business side and they know what people want and what's going to sell, but those people don't frequently have maybe the technical expertise. And then the people that maybe have the technical expertise, they like building product, but they're not necessarily certain what's going to sell in the marketplace. And so that's been a really beautiful interaction in the relationship between my brother and I, that I have this piece, he has this piece, and often they're actually disconnected. Um, it's not it's not common for one person to have both expertise in the business and the tech side. Oh no, that that's super unique because most. Well, I mean, I I one of my biggest predictions about AI was that the biggest improvement that it's going to make is just by making programming simpler, simpler and cheaper because you're not having to rely on say a single programmer to do all of this work where, you know, he or she's going to customize it, put in back doors, maybe put, sabotage it a little bit to safeguard his career. And now with AI, a lot of the programming, you could just say, write this stuff, copy and paste. And now your new software is transferable because it's just written by a machine. So who cares? And you could clean up, actually, you could clean up other people's code if you really wanted to, uh, which then will make the process of creating new software like a billion times cheaper because you don't have that, you know, uh, potential for difficulty with, with the programmer. And, and really a lot of the apps you see that just are, are not good is specifically because programmers have a very certain way of thinking. And a lot of times it's very custom way of thinking. And it's almost all the time, not the way normal people think. And so you get user interfaces that just are make a ton of sense to the programmer, but to anybody else, they'll be like, why are there 50 icons? I don't know what these 50 icons are. Well, obviously yellow is because it's slow right now. And you're like, you shouldn't have to explain this crap. <laughs> so no, I, I can totally tell the interaction, you guys able to go back and forth on that kind of stuff probably makes a huge difference for the users. Now, now when you do do this, you, so you did the cold outreach, do you guys have a follow-up system too, where it's like, okay, if the person responds like this, or is it is it all just about collecting the prospects in the first place? Yes. So typically what we do is we give access to clients and have them manage their own follow-ups just because, you know, you might get specific questions like, oh, do you have particular case studies in this particular industry or, you know, whatever it may be. And so we create the, the cadence and create kind of the infrastructure and the platform and then they're able to go in and kind of do their own email follow-ups. 
Oh, fantastic. So you, you do get that custom touch too. Yeah. You know, and I was just say one other thing, just because it reminded me of when you're discussing follow-ups is how if you use AI once, you're almost forced to learn and innovate in other use cases as well. So for example, we're, you know, I still run this marketing company inside, uh, apart from Teal Nexus and we do web development. So we just launched a, an AI campaign and the ask is, hey, can we send over digital marketing analysis, uh, a website analysis that we did for your video? And that's kind of the first you know, touch point interaction, right? Um, so we launched this campaign a couple of days ago. We have 17 requests for these website analyses. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like this is actually taking about 30 minutes to do one because I have to research it, look at the different software and, and present this. And I thought to myself, this definitely is not a scalable methodology. Um, if we want to send out 20,000 of these emails. And so I'm looking into using a virtual assistant to go through, create bullet points of things, upload that into ChatGPT, create a transcript, upload that transcript into 11 labs, use my voiceover, and then download that into a video and then have her actually kind of go through. And as I talk about the, the, the form, having too many form fields or whatnot, she'll kind of scroll down and move it around. So anyway, that's just an example of, hey, my time isn't scalable like AI. So how can I begin utilizing these different softwares in order to scale up the average, almost by necessity? So I think we're going to see that more in follow-ups. No, that, that totally makes sense. Because I think, well, once you get the volume up, because, you know, it's it's anytime you, you meet with a marketing client when you're like, okay, what do you want to accomplish? And they're like, oh, I want to double sales. And then you start getting into, well, can you handle doubling sales? Like, do you know how much more work that's going to be? Because it's going to be a lot. And same thing with follow-up, because you could say, you're used to processing 20 leads a week, and now it's 500 leads. And then instantly you're like, okay, I just created a different problem for myself, which is now it needs to be solved. So that's I, I think that's a fantastic approach. But I do like the simplicity of what, the product does because I think a lot of websites come out and they just try to, or not websites, but you know, SaaS companies, they come out and they're, oh, we solve a zillion problems. And they're like, I don't even understand half of what you just said. And then their marketing message gets completely convoluted because they're like, well, we could do this and this and this. And our avatar, our customer avatar is this and this. And you're like, okay, well, I'm only one of those things. So I guess I should go somewhere special for me because I don't want to learn all this other crap. So it's actually why I like ChatGPT too, because it's, it just does the one thing and that's it. And even if you try to install a plugin, they'll probably just stop, make it stop working whenever they feel like it. So you might as well skip that part. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love the follow-up. I love the, the outreach. Let's talk about LinkedIn. Cause I know you mentioned before this, uh, that you have something new coming out. That's actually going to go instead of using websites, it's going to use LinkedIn for their information or, or tell me about that. And why you'd want to do it. Yeah, so I can jump in on this one. So this was actually the initial idea is that we used to do LinkedIn outreach, not LinkedIn outreach, email outreach using LinkedIn um, content that's all manual. It took about 10 or 15 minutes per because you had to go to LinkedIn profile. You had to see where or not they had post. You had to take the post. You had to write something. I mean, it was poor. I hated doing it. And then that's the idea for, you know, the Teal Nexus product. We started with websites just feels easier. Uh, LinkedIn is getting pretty crazy in regards to blocking scraping. All almost all tech companies are, are doing that just because data is so important with the rise of AI. So we'll see how, how that plays out. But anyways, yeah. So the efficacy was, you know, between 75 and about 90% open rates on the LinkedIn outreach when we were doing it manually. And I think again, that has a lot to do with almost like the egocentric nature of humanity. 
And if someone said that they read my LinkedIn post, I'm like, oh, at least I got at least one read. So I'm going to go ahead and click on and see what they're, they're talking about. And so that was the whole, the, the impetus really for the initial product, but it was always talking about other channels. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's, so do you, are you saying that you, that's going to come out or is not going to come out in terms of the, the LinkedIn? No, yeah, no, it is. No, it is. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in the it's beta phase. We're testing for ourselves actually right now. Yeah. I think I, I actually came up with an app idea that I just put on my website where it was, uh, I think I called it careerpath.ai, just made up company where basically it, it would scrape all of the career paths of everybody on LinkedIn and then basically say, on average, here's how this person got to this position. And then it would just summarize the the path and then apply it to you. So I guess I went, well, people who are currently a CMO had these six positions and here's the order they had it on average and blah, 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 blah. But you know, it's uh, a lot of work. So I haven't done it. So you guys, you know, do something with that. <laughs> so I could just link to it be like, this is an idea somebody else do it. Uh, but yeah, there, there's such, and I love how you mentioned the first party data and that, that companies are starting to to guard it because that was one of my uh, kind of predictions in terms of AI was that the the licensing of the first party data, the availability of that data, like is going to start becoming or have to become proprietary because otherwise any other company could just latch onto your information and use it to make whatever they want, which there's t- plenty of money for everybody. Just let them do that. But don't, you know, <laughs> you can't. Because now, now there's rival AIs that could literally come take your information and just incorporate it into what they do. And then you're irrelevant because any big company could do that to any small company. So I think on that side, it's going to be uh, it's going to be necessary for us all to do that. Is that how's, how does scraping prevention go? Is that just a matter of uh, hiding your source or how's that work? There's actually OpenAI themselves put out a blog on how to protect your website from web crawlers. Uh, and a lot of notable websites have been doing it, like the New York Times for one, Disney, uh, probably a bunch of others. So I've never done it. I'm more than happy for people to to get to um, our website data. Uh, if they want to use it to sell us stuff, go for it. Um, give it a shot. But it isn't clear to me. This is a question for you all. How, does that make you blind to Google? Does that make you blind to SEO? Um, I know you can prevent web crawlers, but it ima- I imagine there's got to be some serious negative consequences of doing that, at least with today's methods. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why would you want to do it is uh, becomes a question. It's kind of like when uh, Facebook or Meta, whatever you want to call them, uh, got rid of the uh, the privacy or they said like, hey, do you want to get ads? And then I think it was like 97% of people opted out of ads. <laughs> so now they now they just don't ask anymore. <laughs> Because all of the, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but all the retargeting of every platform seems to have flipped the switch back on since we went through all those privacy concerns uh, two years ago or so. I don't think people mind anymore, though, because I'd much rather, I, you see ads all the time. You might as well see ads that are relevant to your interests or things that you might buy versus randomness. So There's a big difference between people taking your data to advertise to you and then the other things that might get lost in the cybersecurity world, which is your proprietary data, that's a whole nother discussion. You know, it shouldn't be scrapable if it's sensitive. It might be, you might want to take a an audit on your website and make sure that people don't have access to things that they shouldn't have access to. Because it, we are 
I mean, technology exists today where there can be smart scrapers powered by AI that are specifically looking for information that they shouldn't have access to. Before, I mean, yeah, I, I think that is definitely a cybersecurity threat now where their scrapers have have intelligence behind them. Yeah, that that makes sense for, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of all my websites. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I have on there that could be scraped? That was dangerous. But <laughs> we won't go down the, the IT path. Uh, but getting back to the, you know, kind of personalized messages for, uh, say that we, our example was with podcast guests. Uh, have you had other case studies where you've seen people just kind of blow up using it and have really increased their, because you said twice as many? Yeah. So typically from a staff perspective, over a 50% open rate. Um, and then we're looking at about a 4% conversion rate in regards to like the people that express interest in the product and whatnot. So that is kind of where we're at. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah, exactly. So. Tobias, what was the really funny response we got? Uh, we got one really ironic response. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we mentioned this on kind of like the pre-podcast, but for the podcast that we were referencing, the, the response was, hey, you know, I get a ton of different inquiries saying that I really, they're really impressed with your business, but obviously they haven't researched my business the way that you did. And that was a response to a artificial intelligence generated message. So that just shows an example of the efficacy of using AI at this point. And another interesting thing is that this AI software is the worst AI software that like you're, I don't mean our product, I mean like this particular language model. It's increasing in efficacy every six to 12 months. And so if it's already indistinguishable, then imagine where it's going to be at six months, 12 months. Yeah, I think that's that's what people kind of uh, miss when they're talking about AI is they think it's like some final product rather than just like one of the first iterations ever. And it's only going to get, you know, better and more capable from here. But I, it, well, I, I've actually had multiple conversations with other podcast guests where we said how AI actually makes you more human because you're able to save that time that you would have used for XYZ or just not done, like I was saying at the beginning, where you just wouldn't do the research. It's just too much work, not enough return, not enough uh, you know, confidence that's going to lead to anything versus if you do use AI or, or like your guys' product where you could personalize it, do all the research, do good follow-up, and then actually get that prospect on the phone to you know, uh, sell them something, but be involved with you because there's a good chance that without AI and without an application like that, you're just never going to talk to this person. You're never going to meet them. You could have an awesome service and an awesome product. And now you just deprive these people of that because you're too lazy to do work that AI could have done for you. So there you go. You have to use AI. It's irresponsible not to. And your company specific. Deal Nexus. Can pluck. Well, uh, this has been great. Uh, definitely need to have you guys back on. I, you know, I love talking about it. I, I, tr I tried to stay off of the future of AI as much as I could, but uh, I think next time we have you guys on, we'll, we will talk about the future of AI, especially in regards to uh, this kind of personalized sales prospecting approach, because I think it's one of the best use cases I've heard in terms of utilizing AI. And uh, you guys are making it happen. So thank you for doing that. Uh, in the meantime, before that episode, uh, where can people learn more about you and what you do? Happy to hop on discovery calls and learn more about the business and see what we can do in regards to leveraging AI to supercharge sales to the clients. Fantastic. Well, thanks you guys so much for coming on. Uh, definitely be talking to you soon. And I'm going to check out that product because that, that sounds fantastic. And, and like I said, I love how you guys have kind of narrowed it down 
made it uh, applicable to almost every business, anybody who does prospecting. Uh, and just really, you know, simple and approachable. Because I think some of the tools these days, you go on and you're like, here's the 60 different things it can do. And you're like, I don't need the majority of that. Like, how good are you at the one thing I want? Uh, and that's what you guys have done. So, so excellent job there. Definitely going to check you guys out and might even mention you at our next uh, Surf and Partner Training Day when we talk about tool time. Because that is, uh, you know, when we say, here's the next marketer tool that everybody needs to get on board. Here's, I know so many people who could use it. So we'll be in touch. Sounds great, Mark. Excellent. All right. Thank you guys. And thank you so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with a friend who's clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketer.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketer. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.